people need to follow a diet that makes them feel good and people need to listen to their own bodies. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to episode 97 of That's So Maven. I am so excited to share that today's sponsor is Lively Brain Supplements. And if it sounds familiar, it's because last week I had the founders on to chat all about brain health and about their products. And no, that was not sponsored in any way. I never sponsor any podcast episodes. I simply wanted to share their story, and I had reached out months ago asking if they wanted to come on the podcast. And after hearing your response to the show, they've decided to extend the discount code that they're offering to you guys and also wanted to come on as a show sponsor. So it's so awesome to see you guys support the show and try out things that we get to explore here. And I'm so thrilled to welcome them as a sponsor here on the show. So if you guys want to check out Lively and try out their products, including their line of supplements that are actually a combination of supplements mixed with different herbs to help you with various things. So they have the sleep blend, the focus blend, and they also just have a daily blend. And I am a huge fan of the focus blend. So if you want to start out with something, that's the one that I highly recommend. As someone who has been trying to quit coffee, it has been so amazing to have something that provides that kind of same brain jolt, but without the crash, and it all comes from various supplements and herbs. So I'm a really big fan. I've been taking it for months now, and I absolutely love it. So if you guys want to save 20% off your first order, you'll just use the code MAVEN20 at checkout. And I heard from some of you guys last week that you had trouble with the code, but we think we got it all sorted out now, so you should be good to go. And I'll include a link in the show notes if you want to check it out. So just a reminder, it's just MAVEN20 to get that 20% off. Now, let's chat about today's episode, and I will say I was a little conflicted when it came to sharing today's episode, not because I have anything against today's guest or, you know, the topics that we're going to jump into, but simply that the topics are a little taboo, and as someone who preaches body positivity and does not take any kind of diet stance when it comes to nutrition and what we should be feeding ourselves... It was tricky to jump into the topic and, you know, have a conversation that did involve things like weight loss and the ketogenic diet and who should be doing this kind of diet. And it it was hard for me to decide how I was going to approach this with you guys. Now, I'm not here to say that the ketogenic diet is bad or intermittent fasting is bad or anything like that. As you know, to each his own, to each her own. Whoever you are, you do you. I am a true believer in that. That being said, as someone who has a history of an eating disorder and did really spend a lot of time trying to figure out the perfect diet, I totally understand that topics like this can be triggering to people. So I will say, if you have an eating disorder or have had an eating disorder or are in any way triggered by conversations around diet talk, then I would encourage you to skip over this episode because it it might just be too triggering for you. That being said, I have found that in my own recovery, what's been really helpful is being able to have conversations with people who have a different approach than I do, who believe differences from what I believe, and yet we can still find a middle ground, and I don't need to be preachy to them, and I don't need to take everything they say at face value. So being able to really meet each other in the middle is so, so important, and I think that's really, at the end of the day, what this conversation 
brings forth is just this idea that we don't all necessarily need to agree on everything, but we can all respect each other as humans and we don't necessarily need to like everything that somebody says, but we still need to, you know, meet that person where they're at and hopefully, you know, you get that in return. And for me in my own recovery, being able to have these kinds of conversations and not be triggered by them has been just really helpful for me and just a a key part of my own recovery. So I will say just trigger warning here because I know in past episodes, some people have gotten upset when this has come up in conversations and there wasn't any kind of trigger warning. So consider yourself warned. That being said, I do think it's an interesting conversation. And we talk about things like celery juice and who should be doing the keto diet and why the keto diet isn't for everybody, what it really means, inflammation, essential oils. It's really a a broad conversation, and I'm thrilled to be able to share this with you and hope it can be helpful for you guys as you sort of navigate what the best choices are for your health. And as a reminder, everything here on the show should always be taken with a grain of salt. It is one person's perspective on their experience, and while we definitely bring on experts here on the show, you know, at the end of the day, the only expert on you is you. So I think that's an important reminder that whenever you learn something here on the show, It's obviously meant to influence you in some kind of way because that person believes in what they're saying, but you also need to be your own health advocate and know what works for you and know that it's okay to experiment and try out new things, but just as well, you should let things go if they're not working for you. And just because they worked for somebody else doesn't mean that they're the right answer for you. So I think that's the biggest takeaway that I want people to have from this show is just the idea that there are so many different health journeys out there and there's so much advice out there. And at the end of the day, you do you. So hopefully this show can inspire that in you. And as always, I'm here to have an open dialogue about things that come up here on the show. That being said, I try to keep things pretty positive here. And if you do have feedback for me, I'm always open to it. But let's keep things nice and kind. And remember that just because you don't like someone doesn't mean you can't love that person and you can't respect that person. So I think that's a really, really difficult thing to do, especially in the world that we live in now. But being able to provide feedback for somebody without it being, you know, a a dig at them and trying to make them feel badly is it's just a skill we should all learn so I feel like I've blabbed on for a while now I think you get where I'm coming from I have sent out that trigger warning for everybody else I hope you enjoyed this episode and stay tuned till the end I'm going to be sharing some life updates and some things happening you know around here at team maven and some good stuff we have going on so with that let's jump into today's episode here's Dr. Axe Hi, Dr. Axe. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. I'm really excited to have you. I mentioned in the tribe that you were coming on the show and everyone was really excited to hear from you and let me pick your brain and all the knowledge you have in there. So it truly is an honor to have you here on the show. Awesome. Hey, thanks. So for the listeners who aren't familiar with you and what your brand is all about, could you share with them, you know, how you built your business and what you do? Yeah, sure. So I, uh, you know, I got into the natural health industry through a crisis in my family. Uh, growing up, my family was always into fitness, but really didn't know anything about diet and nutrition. And you know, we thought like fried chicken was healthy, and I'm not even kidding. And uh, you know, fruit juice with high fructose corn syrup, you know, we thought that was healthy too. So we just we just didn't know. 
And uh, my mom was even my gym teacher in elementary school. She was a swim instructor. But we just got we got really bad news when I was in uh, junior high, and uh, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer at 40 years old. And we were just so shocked because she looked so good, you know, from the outside. And she went through all the conventional medical treatments. She went and had a mastectomy. She went through rounds and rounds and rounds of chemotherapy. And I still remember to this day seeing her hair fall out. I remember looking at her after the chemo treatments and thinking she had aged 20 years and two weeks and just thinking to myself, man, I, I, I hope I never have to see anyone go through this again. And also thinking there's got to be a better way to get healthy. And so she went through all those treatments and eventually was diagnosed as being cancer-free and healthy. But um, really after through all the treatments, she seemed sicker than ever. My mom struggled with chronic fatigue syndrome, hypothyroidism. She had digestive issues. She got put on three different medications, including an antidepressant drug. And one of the biggest memories of my mom growing up was she was just sick and tired all the time. And this went on for, for 10 years. Finally, 10 years later, I'm in school studying to become a, a doctor. I'm about a year away from graduation. And I get another call from my mom in tears. And she says, Josh, I've got bad news. I've just been diagnosed with cancer again. And they want to go in and do surgery and radiation treatments. And she said, what do I do? And I said, oh, mom, I'll be home. I flew back from uh, Florida where I was in school, back to Ohio where I grew up. And we just sat down, we prayed together, talked about it, and just felt led to take care of her all naturally. And I'd been really blessed at the time to have some amazing mentors. I'd you know, spent a lot, you know, those several years just really studying a lot of nutrition. So we, I started putting together a natural health plan for her uh, to try and fight cancer naturally. And, and, and I spent a lot of time researching online and I came across several things. I started looking up diets for cancer and looking at research. And one of the diets I stumbled upon was called the keto diet. And there was a medical study showing that it actually may be effective at fighting cancer because cancer cells feed off of sugar. And when you remove sugar from the diet, that kind of starves the cancer cells. And so I read that and I read another diet about a therapy called Gershon therapy, which was basically juicing a lot of vegetables. And then also read about some Chinese medicine, herbs and mushrooms for fighting cancer. So I put together this plan that was sort of a blend of a keto diet where she, the only carbs she ate were from berries and beets and carrots, lots of veggie juices, and then a lot of herbs and supplements, things like reishi mushroom, turmeric, astragalus. And my mom also worked on building peace in her life. She just worked on building joy. She started getting massages and going for walks in nature and did all this stuff. She followed this program for about four months. We went back to her oncologist in Columbus, Ohio, and they called us the next day. And their exact words were, this is highly unusual. We don't typically see this, but your tumors have shrunk by more than half. We want to see you again in nine months. She went back nine months later and almost complete remission. And now it's been actually about 13 years since then. And my mom has turned 67 this year. And she says she feels better now at 67 than when she was in her 30s. And she's cancer-free and healthy. And so anyways, all that being said, like that's that's really what got me into the health industry and sort of also it's why I, I practice the way I practice today. And also I'm really passionate about, you know, teaching people how to use food as medicine. And I love that because I really do believe that it's a holistic approach when it comes to health, whether you're sick or not. And, you know, people define that in, in so many different ways. But what I love is that you offer all of these different alternatives that are out there for people that I think a lot of people just aren't aware of. So I'm curious for you, I know you're a doctor of natural medicine. Can you explain the difference what it means to, you know, to practice traditional medicine versus maybe functional medicine or conventional sure. medicine? Yeah, so I'll kind of put it in a few different categories. So conventional medicine, you know, really looks at the body at a microscopic level. 
And so, and, and they don't really look at how things are interconnected. It's sort of an isolated thing. So they will look at, for instance, at a single number on your blood work and they'll say, okay, this cholesterol number is high. That means we need to give you a drug to lower cholesterol. Let's take it a step further. What does a doctor of functional medicine do or natural medicine? They will tend to look at it and say a little bit more like, well, what is the cause of the high cholesterol? Is there a way to fix that rather than just giving a medication that's then going to have a side effect? Like, for instance, we know cholesterol medications destroy the liver and cause rhabdomyolysis, which is muscle wasting, and deplete your body of coenzyme Q10, which causes your heart to function. So doctors of functional medicine will realize that. And they'll say, okay, what is the cause of cholesterol? And they'll say, oh, it's inflammation. So they'll put somebody on an anti-inflammatory diet and maybe supplements that reduce inflammation like fish oil and turmeric. And then maybe even a step further is somebody that really practices even more in-depth functional medicine or Eastern medicine like Chinese medicine or Ayurveda. And they'll say, okay, you've got high cholesterol or they won't even say that. They'll, they'll look at the body and say, well, your body has a lot of heat in it. And it's a form of inflammation. So how do we treat inflammation? Well, we're going to follow a diet that's anti-inflammatory. And then we're also going to work on building peace in your life because we know that inflammation can be caused by these certain things. And they'll recommend herbs as well. Maybe turmeric, maybe some ginger, maybe some galangal. And um, anyways, we're going to work on reducing stress because cortisol causes inflammation too. So I'm going to have you do some Tai Chi or yoga or meditation or walks in nature. So, so that's really the difference is it's really, it comes down to treating a symptom in conventional medicine versus getting more to the root causes of disease, both in functional medicine and then even more holistic approach. And a lot of Eastern medicines like uh, traditional Chinese medicine. Absolutely. And I love that you explain the difference because I feel like it's it's easy to get confused between them. And, you know, we've had people on the show who are functional medicine doctors. We've had uh, traditional Chinese medicine doctors here on the show. So just so many different practitioners. And just to have you break it down is it makes it so much more accessible and easy to understand. And I'm curious from your perspective, when you're either seeing patients or, you know, the platform that you have, what is the largest complaint that you're hearing from people? Like, can you identify one thing or are there several things that come up? Well, I hear all kinds of things, but I think I'll throw out a couple out there. One is there's so much information. How do I decide what to pick or what, what mm, to do? Right. Yeah. So I think that's one thing is there's just a lot like, should I go paleo? Should I go vegan? Should I go keto? Should I you know, and I think that that's one of the biggest things that people have a hard time with is just which, which way do I follow? And I think, I think the big message I have for most people is um, eat real food. I mean, if you're a vegan and eating mostly vegetables and fruit and rice, you know, you're probably still going to have a few deficiencies actually because the amino acids and B12 and things, but you're going to still be a lot better than some people. And then, hey, if you're more a traditional diet or keto or paleo and you're getting lots of healthy fats, you're eating wild-caught salmon and you're eating plenty of herbs and spices, then you're probably going to be pretty healthy. So I think that that's one of the biggest things is uh, just the overwhelming amount of information. Absolutely. And, you know, I was having an interesting conversation with someone the other day who recently went keto and he was saying that, you know, it's been life changing for him. He feels so much better in his body. And I asked him what his diet was like before he went keto. And he was saying he pretty much only ate junk and he wasn't really moving his body. And so it's made me wonder if maybe kind of the basis of whatever diet it is that you choose, just simply choosing real food is what can have the largest impact. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. 
Yeah. So, you know, I do believe that number one, it's eat real food. Okay. And with, without a doubt. So I agree, I agree there. And then, and then I, you know, I do think there's a, you know, balancing out your macronutrients for certain reasons and then focusing on certain other food categories is important as well. You know, I, I am a big fan of the keto diet. Not like other people are probably a fan of it, though. I do think the keto diet can be a breakthrough diet for people if it's done the right way. And I'll give you an example of this. You know, I was on Instagram or in Pinterest the other day and I came across a recipe and it was called like one of the ultimate keto recipes. And the recipe was you take just conventional shredded cheese, you fry it in bacon, making a hard crust. Then you put bacon in the middle. Then you fry another piece of cheese and you put it on top and it's a bacon cheese quesadilla. Um, that's not healthy on any diet. And, and that's what people are doing today. It's like people will follow a diet and they will do it the wrong way. And it drives me crazy. But, you know, and by, and by the way, the person probably will still lose weight, but they're not actually getting healthy. Like that's one of the reasons why I wanted to write a keto book is that people need to know how to do the keto diet. So when I teach people to do keto, it's high in a lot of healing foods. It's avocados, it's coconut, it's olives and olive oil, it's, you know, grass-fed beef, wild-caught fish, and then lots of vegetables and herbs and spices, and then using flours like almond flour and coconut flour and, and eggs and those types of things. But it's doing it the right way. It's sort of like the anti-inflammatory healing form of keto. That's, that's really – but I think keto for people – the reason why I do like – again, number one is eat real food. Number two is keto for a lot of people can be beneficial because it's great for our body to get into ketosis. And there's really only two ways to get into ketosis – it's by fasting, so not eating anything, or it's by doing a keto diet. And ketosis is when your body starts burning fat for energy instead of carbohydrates. And when your body burns fat, it breaks down fat into ketone bodies, which then your brain uses as fuel, your body uses as fuel, and also it's allowing your pancreas to rest. You know, Davida, most people today have overconsumed carbs to where they've worn out their pancreas and they've affected their insulin levels. And this is big. So insulin is, people tend to think of diabetes when they hear insulin. Insulin is not just diabetes. In fact, medical studies have shown women with polycystic ovary syndrome, that stands for PCOS or infertility, most of them, the reason that they're having that is insulin imbalance. Alzheimer's disease today is known as type three diabetes because it's an insulin issue. Insulin is the, it's a hormone actually, which affects all your other hormones, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, cortisol. But when insulin, which is your blood sugar hormone, when that's balanced, it balances all these other hormones in your body. It keeps inflammation low in the body and it has big benefits. So the keto diet is unlike any other diet because your body gets into ketosis where you're actually burning fat for energy and it balances insulin. And I was reading a study recently that said the average middle-aged weight gain is 22 pounds. And if you have that average weight gain of 22 pounds, it doubles your risk of cancer, triples your risk of heart disease, and triples your risk of diabetes. But on my mind, it's like, well, if somebody in the keto diet is the most effective way to lose weight quickly, if somebody can lose that 20 pounds fast, think about how they've just completely re reversed their chances of getting all those diseases. So all that being said, number one, eat real food, but I do love the keto diet for specific conditions and not as a lifetime diet, but doing like 30 to 90 days so people can get those results quickly and then moving into another eating plan like 
uh, like a keto cycling or paleo or just eating real food, you know, but what people think of as normal carb consumption in the first place is really off. Most people consume about 60% of their diet as carbs. It should probably be closer to half that. I, I know I just talked a lot and maybe didn't even answer your question, but that's my, uh, no, I, I, I think it's really interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm not someone who eats keto or paleo and I eat carbs, but for me, I guess the question that comes up is that, you know, is keto right for everyone? You know, sure. if, when I think about the way we eat and how different everybody's bodies are, it seems challenging for me to try and see one diet as something that everybody could eat and feel good on. How does that apply for keto? Yeah, it's a great question. And so my answer is the keto diet's not for everybody. I think the biggest people that can benefit are people that are looking to lose weight quickly, especially body fat. Somebody who is looking to support their brain, you know, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's. You know, I've worked with a lot of children on the autistic spectrum who saw great results with it. People with seizures originally would have studied for it, John Hopkins University. Somebody with diabetes, somebody with PCOS or looking to balance out their hormones, people with gut issues. You know, those people probably are the people that can benefit the most from doing keto. Some people, some people also who really need to reduce inflammation can benefit, but those are the, probably the biggest people. The people that I don't think should do keto are people with liver disease, people that have had really trouble digesting fats with their gallbladder removed, and, and women that are pregnant. You never want to change a diet up drastically, I think, aside from just eating more real food when, when, when you're pregnant. So those are the people that shouldn't do it. The reason why I think, though, a large amount of people can benefit from it. And again, get me on this. The keto diet is not the same as a paleo diet or following a vegan diet. Those are practices that you follow lifetime. The keto diet should be thought of more as doing a cleanse for 30 days or 90 days. It's a way of changing your eating for a period of time and then moving back into another way of eating. So a lot of people cleanse different times of year. A lot of people fast, you know, a lot of different religions fast different times of year. There are major, major benefits according to medical studies for fasting, for cleansing, very same as the keto diet, loads of medical research on the benefits. And so the reason why the keto diet benefits so many people is your pancreas, which controls all insulin, has to deal with carbohydrates. Most people of all macronutrients consume way too many carbs. We've exhausted our pancreas. And so what happens is our pancreas is essentially worn out. And so when, if you follow a keto diet for 30 days, what you're doing is you're giving the pancreas almost nothing to do. So what it does is it regenerates and heals itself. It balances insulin and really allows the body to completely reset itself, getting somebody back on track. And so again, I don't think now there are civilizations like the Eskimos and Hunzas and others that followed a keto diet for their entire life. But again, what I'm saying is I'm with you. I don't follow the keto diet all the time. I might follow, do some keto meals or maybe, you know, once or twice a year, do some keto. But for the most part, I think people can benefit from it more like doing a cleanser fast rather than, I don't think people should think of doing keto as, as a lifetime diet whatsoever. So do you see any kind of like backlash almost? I think about, you know, crash dieting and not to say that keto is the same as that, but oftentimes what happens with someone applies a diet in their life and they stick to it really hardcore and then they're done with the diet or they've decided, you know, they're going on vacation, they're going to have like a a cheat day or like a, a couple of cheat days or whatever that might look like. Are you seeing people kind of 
go in the opposite direction? Because I could imagine like being so restrictive with your food might lead to kind of the opposite reaction when you're done. You know, I always think it depends on personalities. I haven't seen really that much of that. And I'll, I'll give you a couple reasons why. Number one, I think being disciplined or practicing discipline is really good for everybody. This is why, again, fasting is referenced more than 100 times in the Bible. Fasting is referenced by Hippocrates, the father of modern medicine. It's recommended by Maimonides. So fasting is recommended through almost every ancient physician recommended fasting. The keto diet is the only diet out there that mimics fasting where your body gets into ketosis. And so again, if somebody can fast for a week, the keto diet is much easier than fasting and you're going to stay full. You're getting lots of fat, some fiber, some protein. And so, you know, like I have recipes in my book for keto pancakes, keto blueberry muffins, where people rather than using the whiter wheat flour, they're using almond flour, coconut flour, grass fed butter, pastured eggs, and, you know, throwing some blueberries in there if you want blueberry pancakes. And it's a really nutrient-dense, healthy meal. And people stay pretty full because you get more full on fat and fiber and protein than you do on carbs. When you're eating carbs, you're going in and out of these sort of like having major, major hunger. And I think that's why other diets more than keto, people will crash and then all of a sudden go and eat a pizza and a tub of Rocky Road ice cream because – they're actually exacerbating their carb cravings versus on keto, the carb cravings over time start to go away. So again, I actually haven't seen that as bad on keto as compared to somebody, let's say going on a vegan diet where it's like more carbs, it's 80% of your whole diet. And, you know, so actually I think it's a little bit less with that diet specifically. But again, no, I mean, I think people should practice different types of discipline, including fasting, cleansing certain times of year. But uh, yeah, no, I, I haven't seen that as much of a problem. But, you know, if some anybody that has an addictive personality, you know, that just goes from one thing to another. I mean, yeah, addictive personalities on any diet across the board, you know, th those types of people, I think, are going to have challenges with with any diet. So I'm curious from your perspective, you know, obviously diet is a big portion of it, but when it comes to your overall wellness, what portion does diet consume versus something like self-care or exercise? Like, could you break that down or do you feel like it's kind of individual depending on the person? Oh man, that is just a really hard question, but let, yeah. let me do my best to answer it. I think that if I have to rank them, I would rank emotional well-being and lifestyle practices, number one, diet, number two, and exercise, number three. And then diet and mindset and lifestyle, emotional health being close, but emotional health beating it out. But here's the thing. If you go and drink a bottle of bleach right now, I don't care how great your mindset is. That's not good. But that being said, I mean, you know, I've worked with a lot of patients and when I worked with patients and they had really low levels of stress, you know, they were more like, they kind of almost seemed like, hey, like I could, you know, just kind of be a beach bum, you know, like they, they didn't have a care in the world. Man, they could eat inflammatory foods and their blood pressure was not going up, you know. And so I think somebody's emotional, spiritual well-being is the most important part of their health. In fact, if you look at Ayurvedic medicine and Chinese medicine, that that's what those forms of medicine that are over 3,000 years – that was the basis of them. It was the most important aspect. And then it reached out into diet and then herbal supplementation with mushrooms and herbal teas and things like that. But at the cornerstone is definitely your emotional well-being. So I think that if somebody is living stress-free, relaxed, like, 
lifestyle it's the most important thing for fighting disease and being healthy, followed by diet being very close afterwards, and then exercise. Not that you shouldn't move, but listen, when, when I've read studies on the longest living people ever, hardly any of them, actually this might surprise you, most of them didn't exercise, they were just kind of active. You know, like maybe they walked sometimes, maybe they worked in farming, maybe they, you know, like I read this uh, story about this Italian man who... Um, you know, just rode his bike to the market and back every day and chopped wood and what, you know, but like weightlifting or yoga or what, I think just moving, hey, if somebody just walks 20 minutes a day, that that's going to get you actually pretty far for some people if they're eating very clean and their, you know, spiritual, emotional health is pretty good. Totally. And, you know, when you think back like to ancient civilizations, they didn't have gyms to go to. Yeah. Like the weights they were lifting were rocks and building their homes. And these are things that like going to the gym or conventional exercises, we understand it, are really like 21st century kind of experiences. So I totally agree that I think we put a lot of emphasis on exercise when really it should be about movement and what works in your life. And, you know, you brought up something interesting for me, just kind of hearing you rank things where what if your diet is causing you stress? Mm. You know, I feel like that would be a hard thing to balance where, you know, you want to be stress-free and you want to be able to kind of eat well and and not have to worry so much about your food, but you also want to make conscious choices. Where do you find that line? Yeah, well, well there's no doubt they affect each other in a really – really strong manner. You know, there's studies showing, of course, that if you're deficient in omega-3s and magnesium and certain forms of B vitamins, that it increases your risk of depression and certain B vitamins uh, affect your anxiety levels. And so they're a huge deal and they're really directly connected. In fact, there are, uh, I've worked with a lot of children with ASD disorders, autistic spectrum disorders, and we've really noticed that when they're consuming foods that are high in gluten, casein, food additives, their behavior, it affects it dramatically. So your gut bacteria, your microbiome, their gut health actually directly affects the brain. So there's no doubt that they really affect each other in a big way. I'll share this with you too on the other end on how you know emotional health can affect your specific organs. This is a principle of Chinese medicine. Specific emotions cause disease in specific organs. I'll give you an example. The emotion of fear. If you have fear... You know, think about this. If a child gets really scared, they can wet themselves, right? We've heard of that. Somebody gets so scared, they, they wet themselves. Mm-hmm. That's because the emotion of fear affects the kidneys, adrenals, bladder, and reproductive organs. So let's say somebody doesn't get really scared immediately, but it's like somebody has, let's say you have a, a female who has fear of failure, fear of disappointing their spouse or loved ones, you know, different forms of fear. That affects their reproductive system, so it can, can increase the risk of infertility. On another end, liver issues. Why do we call somebody an angry drunk? Because alcohol affects the liver, causing you to have anger. Or if you have a lot of anger or frustration or unforgiveness, those emotions affect the liver, causing liver disease. If somebody worries, we know that affects the stomach, right? You've heard, hey, somebody's worrying, studying for a test. People can get an upset stomach over worry. Well, again, worry affects your upper GI system, your pancreas, your spleen, and your stomach. The emotion of grief affects the immune system. This is known in Chinese medicine, your lungs and your colon. And I'll give you an example of this. Like I had a patient, a woman patient, and her she was best friends with her daughter. And her daughter moved off to college. And around the same, six months later, she developed an autoimmune disease. And we connected it back to 
she was still grieving, feeling like she lost her daughter because she hardly saw her anymore because her best friend moved off to college. So the emotions of grief and depression cause disease in your lungs and colon and can increase your risk of inflammatory bowel disease and autoimmune disease and others. And then the emotion of anxiety, like a sympathetic response causes heart disease in your central nervous system, uh, disease there. And so what a lot of people don't realize is if you have chronic fear in your life, if you have chronic worry in your life, if you have chronic, if you haven't forgiven somebody, this is actually causing diseases to build up in specific organs. And that's been known for thousands of years in Eastern medicine. Now, it's not talked about often today in Western medicine. Anyway, it's just something to think about for people that, hey, if you want to be healthy, yeah, you got to take care of your diet. Yeah, you want to move. But taking care of your emotional and spiritual well-being is a really big deal. Totally. And I'm a huge proponent for that. I think like sometimes the best things that you can do for your digestion are to like lower your stress levels, which is easier said than done. But I know as someone who dealt with chronic stress for a really long time and had a lot of issues with digestion, that as soon as I dealt with my stress levels, I found that my digestion was so much better. I think something that comes up for a lot of people is maybe, you know, where they live or their lifestyle can't accommodate a certain diet. Like, for example, last week I was chatting at a brand and someone asked me about the keto diet. And I'm not someone who, you know, provides nutrition advice because I'm not a nutritionist and I'm certainly not in a position to do that. But I was asking him, you know, how do you feel on it? And he was like, honestly, I feel I feel kind of stressed. Like, I feel like I can't eat anything. And I am having a hard time, you know, making it through the day here at work and just, you know, not surrounded by places that can provide the kind of food I want to be eating and I don't have time to cook at home. And it's like, how do you deal with when your lifestyle maybe can't accommodate a certain diet and it's kind of creating more stress than it needs to? Well, yeah, I, I think number one is people need to follow a diet that makes them feel good and people need to listen to their own bodies. I think that's where it starts. You know, for myself, I can tell that that because I work out really frequently that I can probably handle a few more carbohydrates and, and fruits than maybe some other people. So I just I think people need to learn to read and listen to their body over time. I, I recommend people do a couple things. One you know, I encourage people if their diet, if they say it's important to them, then typically you do have to plan ahead and make meals ahead. And, you know, I can tell you for myself, you can live anywhere in the country and eat healthy if you plan. And I mean that by saying that, you know what, we live in a day and age where I can ship almost any food to my door, almost any food you know, if you want wild-caught salmon from the Pacific, you can ship it here. If you want acai berries from the rainforest, you can ship them here. With Amazon, you can ship stuff anywhere. So I do think that if people maybe knew and planned it, maybe had like a simple meal plan to follow, that actually gets – it can be a little more simplistic. But I think the other thing too, people just need to do the best they can. So for, for your friend you talk to, I think for him, if he's stressed on the diet, yeah, you don't want to be – overwhelmed and stressed on a diet ever. So maybe he needs to modify it somehow. And maybe he's not full keto. Maybe he just does a keto meal for breakfast when it's easy for him. And he may, be not, may not get into full ketosis. And maybe lunch, he's going to eat out at the healthiest place he can find. And then he jumps back on track on dinner. But I think what other people realize too, like here's another example with the keto diet. Some people think that it's black and white. You're either in ketosis or you're not. It's not true. Ketosis is a very broad spectrum of how far deep you're into ketosis. So somebody that's a CrossFit athlete where they have almost no body fat in these abs, how is that possible? 
their body is burning some fat for energy for sure. You know, and so they're just not in a deep state of ketosis, like on a keto diet. So that being said, I think people need to learn how to do the best they can be and also realize, hey, you fall off track one meal. That's OK. You jump back on track. And, and hey, if, if the diet's not right for the person. But, yeah, you never want to be you never want to be severely emotionally stressed when, when, when you're following a diet that's very, very, very counterproductive. I so agree. And I think it's important to remember that things aren't so binary, you know, that you can make choices at certain meals and different choices at other meals. And it doesn't need to be so black and white and has to be individualized based on the person and their lifestyle. Totally. Yep. So I want to switch gears here a little bit and chat about heavy metals, because I know this is something that you're really passionate about. For people who have never heard of heavy metals and how it might impact them, I'd love to hear from your perspective. What does that mean? Sure. So, you know, there are loads and loads of different types of environmental and household toxins we're exposed to on a daily basis. You know, everything from pesticides that are sprayed on top of our food the different steroids that are found in our conventional milk supply and animal meat products, and then heavy metals, which can accumulate in various products. And, and unfortunately, you know, out of China is where we tend to find a lot of heavy metals. And there are some heavy metals that are naturally occurring. There's arsenic in the soil. There's silver in the soil. There's uh, also minerals, which are metals in the soil, like iron and magnesium, which we need for our own health. But there are certain metals, especially mercury and lead, and non-organic or unhealthy arsenic and cadmium, which are found in a lot of different products. So if you're doing, you know, eating canned foods, a lot of them are in aluminum. And actually, there are studies showing that certain uh, patients with different types of dementia actually have aluminum deposited in their brain, and aluminum is also found in certain deodorants. And so all that being said, here's what I want to say about heavy metals. For most people, it's sort of a minor thing. You don't want to worry about it. Just focusing on your diet and emotional well-being, that's what you want to focus on. Don't get overwhelmed with the heavy metals. But I think people do need to be aware that there are metals we're exposed to in certain products, you know, and this isn't per se a metal, but P- PFOAs, you know, the polyfluorinated, you know, chemicals that are found in Teflon pans, I mean, those are highly toxic to the body. The aluminum found in deodorants, the aluminum found in cans, you know, some of the lead that's found in the plates you eat off of that are kind of typically older plates that have some of that coating that has lead on it, um, lead-based paints that are actually typically in old homes. So there are And then, of course, mercury that's typically found in in silver fillings. That's our largest metal exposure is mercury. And if you have a silver filling in your mouth, every single one of those has mercury. And the Dental Association has been trying to cover it up and say it's a problem because imagine if they said they were wrong, the lawsuit. So they'll never say it's a problem. They'll fight it forever. But uh, all that being said, we are exposed to a lot of heavy metals. The way that you fight, you get rid of heavy metals is by supporting your liver. I think a lot of people think, oh, if I take this herb, it's going to detoxify me. No, the herb or the supplement tends to support the liver, which then your liver detoxifies or the liver works with your kidneys and your colon and and gut to really get to excrete it from your body. But I would say if somebody wants to detoxify heavy metals, they know they've been exposed. The number one way you, you detoxify is following a diet that's loaded with vegetables and it's very green and alkalizing. So lots of salads, vegetable juices, sprouts, you know, green, green apples, lots of green food, sprouts, wheatgrass juice, all that type of stuff. Taking herbs, milk thistle, 
probably the number one Western herb for detoxification, Buplerum. Another herb in Chinese medicine, great for detoxification. And then eating detox-specific foods like artichokes, beets, dandelion greens, lemons and limes. But I would just say, hey, eat salads, eat greens, drink vegetable juice, take herbs like milk thistle, and stay away from a lot of, um, you know, and just try and kind of push a lot of those chemicals and exposures out, out of your life. You, you know what I found over time? I think earlier in my career I talked about heavy metals a little bit more. And I do think it's important to consider, but at the same time, I think for, and listen, there's a subset of the population, like two to 5% of the people listening to this, if they have had a lot of metal exposures, then yes, they can benefit in a huge way from doing some detoxification of heavy metals. But I think for 95% of people, if they just focus on eating real food, maybe doing a keto for 30 days, uh, or just Hey, eating better, getting more herbs and essential oils and supplement, you know, just doing better. I think that's going to be enough. So I have to ask while we're on the subject, what are your thoughts on celery juice? <laughs> um, you know, it's been a crazy craze, but I will say this. I'm glad they picked celery juice. Whoever decided to do this celery juice diet of all the vegetable juices they could pick, I'm glad it's celery. And celery is probably the number one electrolyte-rich vegetable out there. So in general, somebody's just getting a large dose of electrolytes at the same time, really supporting their liver and their kidneys. And it's a little bit bitter. So you're also supporting your heart health. So, you know, celery juice is, is awesome. In fact, I typically don't like these fad juices. Like I saw, you know, five years ago, it was the grapefruit juice. Drink grapefruit juice every day for, you know, it's just like the grapefruit juice thing. But of all, all the juices, celery juice is one of the better because it's a little more balanced. It's more rich in water than other juices. It's more balanced in its overall electrolytes. And it's bitter, which the flavor that we're missing the most in our diet is bitter. Every flavor affects your body differently. Sweet affects the pancreas. A little bit of sweetness is good for the pancreas. Too much is bad. Uh, sour activates areas of your liver. And then bitter foods activate your heart and a little bit of your liver as well, which most people, we eat all sweet and salty. We get almost no bitter food. So again, I, I love it. I think it's great. That's awesome. I've been wanting to ask someone about it. So I'm, I'm glad to hear you're a fan. And something that you brought up kind of when we got into heavy metals was just stuff that might be on our food and choosing organics. I'd love to hear, you know, what are your thoughts on organics? Are they worth it from your perspective? And, you know, clean 15, dirty dozen. How are you feeling about all that? Yeah. So I, let, let me rank them this way. Number one, if you're going to go organic, and let's say, let's consider budgets here. If somebody is going to go and shop organic, by far the most important food categories to buy organic are meat and dairy products, hands down. Because it's called the law, it's actually a scientific law, it's called the law of bioaccumulation. If you eat some uh, broccoli that's been sprayed with a pesticide, you're getting that pesticide. If you eat cows, you know, they eat thousands of pounds of food. And let's say thousands of pounds of that corn has been sprayed with Roundup, you know, and those different chemicals, those poisons accumulate in their meat and then you eat it. You're getting much, much higher toxic load from consuming conventional meat products and dairy than you are plants. 
So again, based on budget, if you're on a budget and can only buy a few things organic, make sure it's the meat and dairy products. After that, I would say coffee is the next one. It's the most highly sprayed crop out there. And then after coffee, it's going to be the dirty dozen. That's the next one that you'd want to follow. You could look up that list online, very easy to look at, but that's, that's sort of the ranking order. Yeah. And it's something we've talked a lot about it here on the show. Uh, It's not just better for our bodies. It's also just better for the planet Uh, in general. Big time. You're right. I mean, if you look at, you know, my, my, myself and my business partner, Jordan, we, um, we own 5,000 acres of certified organic land in Southern Missouri in the Ozarks. And we do our, uh, we actually raise or, uh, organic animals there. So we, we actually have yaks, we have water buffalo, we have gazelle, and they just roam, I mean, thousands and thousands of acres. And we also practice permaculture and regenerative farming, and we plant certain plants to help build back the soil. And we actually I have a composting business, too. So that's sort of our side business. But we are big believers in supporting the planet. So number one, you're right. Buying organic and sustainable foods does that. But also, there are more nutrient-dense as well. They're higher in vitamins and minerals, so you're getting more bang for your buck. But I, I love that you love that, too. It's awesome. Yeah. So there's one more thing that I wanted to touch on, and that's essential oils. Because you talk a lot about essential oils. I'm a huge fan of essential oils. So what are you know some essential oils that you recommend for people? I know it's kind of individual, but you know someone comes and they're looking to incorporate more essential oils into their life. What are some go-tos? Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, I actually uh, the book I published before Keto Diet was a book called Essential Oils: Ancient Medicine. So if people just go on Amazon and look up Doctor Axe essential oils. You'll find my book on there, uh, essential oils, ancient medicine. So you're, I'm a huge fan. I've used these for a long time and I've used them with patients and the results were were really powerful. Um, I love different essential oils for different things for reducing stress. Lavender oil and holy basil oil are awesome. Lavender has been shown in medical studies, double blind medical studies to help with post-traumatic stress disorder, to reduce anxiety, to lower blood pressure, to help with insomnia and actually help with wound healing and sunburns. And so lavender oil is the most sold essential oil in North America for good reason. It's one of the most dynamic and powerful for also lowering stress. So I'll use that at night before I go to sleep. My wife uses it in her skincare routine. So lavender is great. Frankincense oil is really great for the brain and uh, generally is used for spiritual meditation. Rosemary oil is great for memory and focus, reducing inflammation, and for thickening your hair. So rosemary of all products, it actually blocks something called DHT, dihydroxytestosterone, which causes baldness and thinning hair, which is in rosemary. So it helps with that. I love turmeric oil internally. Turmeric essential oil contains tumorone, which actually helps with stem cell production. Oil of oregano is the number one oil that has antibiotic properties. So you can do three drops, three to five drops, three times a day. If you are sick with a cold or flu, I only recommend doing it about 10 days in a row because it actually does start to get hard in your gut doing that much of a warming spicy oil that much. But oil of oregano is a great natural antibiotic. And then lemon oil was used in Ayurvedic medicine. Actually, they tended to use, use uh, orange peel, but lemon oil is the same thing. Uh, same delimiting the same compounds that actually supports lymphatic drainage and, and your gallbladder function. So there are a lot of essential oils, but I think some of the go-tos people should have on hand are lavender, frankincense, lemon, 
And then uh, peppermint and ginger oil are both really, really good for digestion. That's a cooling oil, peppermint with a warming oil, ginger. I like those two in combination for, for digestion. But yeah, essential oils are awesome. And if you want to check out the book, it's uh, Essential Oils Ancient Medicine on Amazon. And but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely a fan of those. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of essential oils. And the listeners are like, we know, Davida, you love <laughs> essential oils. I just wanted to thank you for coming on the show today and for sharing all of your knowledge. I'd love to hear kind of what's coming up for you sure. and where people might be able to connect with you. Yeah, well, I have a new book that's releasing this next week, and it's Keto Diet. You know, we talked a lot about Keto Diet today or just kind of on, on a few different occasions. But again, I think for people, if somebody's looking to lose weight quickly, if somebody wants to balance hormones improve brain health, or just reverse disease. The keto diet is not a lifetime diet. It's a diet that, hey, you follow the 30 to 90 days, and then you just continue to eat real foods. But if you want to have more of a quick breakthrough, in the book, I have over 80 recipes. We have keto brownies, keto fudge, keto pancakes, but using all really nutrient-dense ingredients. And then the plan that my mom followed to beat cancer is in the book as well, along with supplement plans. So just check it out. It's on Am It's actually $10 off right now on Amazon. Uh, it's typically $30. It's only $18 right now. And if you just search Keto Diet Dr. Axe, it's also in bookstores, Barnes & Noble, nationwide. And then, um, and then I'm on Instagram. I post a lot on Instagram. My wife, too. You should check her out. She's Dr. Chelsea Axe. She's also a a doctor and a yoga instructor, but I post, you know, the meals I eat regularly. I post a lot about the way I use essential oils and supplements and different things. So people can check me out on there as well. But yeah, what coming up, you know, this keto book I'm excited about. And then actually, I don't know if I'm supposed to announce this yet. I'll go ahead here, but uh, we're launching a CBD oil line. So we actually mix CBD with essential oils. And so we're doing a CBD mixed with essential oil line that's actually released in April. It's the first certified organic CBD line that uses certified organic essential oils. And so like we've got a, I'm trying to think some of our formulas, like we have a gut formula that's CBD, but then we're using like peppermint oil, ginger oil, and fenugreek and trifala, like all these ancient herbs with it. So that's the next thing after keto that like, I'm really, really excited about that too. Well, that sounds awesome. I'm looking forward to learning more about that. And I'm so grateful you came on the show today and shared all of your knowledge with us. And I'm looking forward to what's coming up next for you. Awesome. Well, hey, you, you were, uh, you're a great interviewer. You made it uh, easy, made it comfortable. And I can tell you're pretty knowledgeable yourself. So again, thank you. Uh, thanks for having me on. Thank you, Dr. Axe. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks, David. So there you have it. Huge thanks to Dr. Axe for coming on the show today and for sharing all of his knowledge and wisdom with all of us here on That's So Maven. Of course, I'm sure there are things that came up that maybe you don't agree with or maybe you agree wholeheartedly with, and I love that. I love that this show can bring up things for people so that they can have an open dialogue and a conversation, and I hope you could see that in today's episode that we were, you know, trying to meet each other in the middle. No negativity at all, just two people who maybe don't see eye to eye on everything and yet can still respect each other. As always, if you want to share your thoughts on the show, I think the THM Tribe is a really great place to do that. We have some awesome conversations that happen there from things that come up on the show or just people asking for advice on various things that they might not have the support of in their community. So if you want to join, it's just facebook.com slash group slash THM Tribe. And as always, I include a link in the show notes just in case you have trouble finding it. And if you want to leave some feedback on the show, I would love if you left a review on iTunes. It really does help me out and it helps more people find the show. So if you want to do that, especially after today's episode, that would be super kind and helpful for me. 
As for what's happening in my life right now, I am officially back from Arizona. It was a really nice trip to just get away for a couple of days. I will say the weather didn't quite turn out as well as I would have liked it to be. It's kind of been raining nonstop here in San Francisco, and then the rain just followed me to Arizona. But that is okay. The sun is now out and shining in San Francisco, and I'm reminded why I chose to live here, because for the last three months, I was questioning that decision big time. But otherwise, I'm kind of taking a back seat on things, which has been really interesting for me. Ever since I did the episode with Amanda from Intuitive Galaxy all about human design, I've really been trying to tap into my human design. Being a manifesting generator, it's really all about people asking things and I respond to that. Or sometimes it's not necessarily a person asking something, but some kind of universal message of sorts gets posed to me and I respond to that. And I have totally found that to be true. You know, it's something I've been wanting to teach more yoga lately. And yet my normal reaction would be to throw an event or to contact somebody and make it happen. And yet now I'm just getting all of these requests from people to teach more yoga as soon as I kind of just took a back seat on it. And so that's what I'm doing. We're definitely working on new things for Camp Wellness and of course putting out new things on The Healthy Maven, but really only things that speak to me and that I feel like are valuable for you guys or pique some kind of interest in me, usually because you guys send in a lot of requests to hear about various things, especially in the clean beauty space. I've been getting so many questions about that. And in response, I've created this series on YouTube called the Clean Beauty 5x5, where I compare five different products from the same theme. I talked about it on the episode with Tyla Abbott from Aether Beauty, and I'll include a link in all of that in the show notes. But it just allows me to kind of explore the products that are out there and be productive with my clean beauty hoarding <laughs> that I have here in my home. And it's great to see that my experimentation can be helpful for you guys. So it's been really interesting to kind of take a back seat and see what you guys are interested in and respond to that. And you know what? I hate to say it, but the universe has totally delivered on it. And I know that sounds so out there. And as someone who for the longest time was like, what are these people talking about? It can sound just really overwhelming and like, she crazy, but I'm telling you, it has been working out for me. And so you'll hear more about that in an upcoming episode. I know I've been teasing it, but I'm actually saving it for episode 100, where I'm going to be talking a little bit more about some things that have come up for me in the last year that I haven't really discussed fully here on the show. So stay tuned for that if you want to hear more about kind of my spiritual journey and some universe stuff that has come up for me. Hopefully you guys find that interesting, but I know I've gotten a lot of questions all about, you know, crystals and how I got into tarot and all of that good stuff. And so when you guys ask questions, I respond to them. I am a manifesting generator through and through, and I love being able to provide information for you guys that you're seeking resources for. So with that, I'm going to tap out for today, but coming up next week on the show, I have the beautiful ladies from The Kind Campaign coming on to chat about bullying and the effects of bullying, self-confidence, and how we can intervene for young women, and also how we can handle bullying even as adults. So it's a very, very powerful episode and one that had a deep effect on me. And I have a feeling that you guys are going to like that one and learn a lot from it. So stay tuned for that next week. And with that, I hope you have a wonderful week and I will talk with you guys soon. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. 